when I was sitting on your couch talking to you and I was like, yeah, and I went through all this shit, but you know, for the first time I could hear my own voice. And then you were like, so then it's all worth it. And I was like, oh, it just dawned on me that it was like, wait a minute. By, by not being busy for a moment, by, by letting myself just be and saying kind of what the fuck to everything else, I actually started to find my own voice. And like for the first time, I actually wrote a script that was really truthful to me. Like there was stuff in the other things, but I actually started to speak and communicate and build things that were unique and real and, and my own that weren't just these kind of carbon copies of everything else. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to another podcast here with Brandon and Evan. Just doing our thing. Uh, you know, actually, this podcast was kind of inspired a little bit by Christopher Walken and a quote that he had. And, uh, you know, might do his voice in a moment. But uh, the title yourself, of this, people. the title of this is, I'll be damned <laughs> when doing nothing is the best move. <laughs> Um, anyway, so yeah, when doing nothing is the best move, this is kind of, uh, we kind of took his quote and we kind of pared it down a little bit. Uh, we kind of worked with it, had a bit of a conversation about what this might be. Um, and it kind of, you know, to start this conversation off, I think it's good to note that this was kind of something that we want to, we, we, well, we, we actually kind of found that like, it's an acting lesson that actually applies to life and, the origins of how this kind of conversation came to be was, you know, for myself personally, there was something that I was struggling with. I was kind of to just give a little bit of content or detail about it. I was laying there in bed. Uh, this was kind of like after I'd had a bit of a nap and, you know, re regrouped myself and I had some things that I wanted to do and I'm laying there in bed and I, I didn't feel like getting up to go do them. And in my, mind i'm like yeah but you should you you need to you're supposed to you have to you know all these things and then but i didn't want to and i didn't feel like it and i was trying to force myself and just do all these things to like get myself up and then i was like well okay well maybe i want to order some food and then i'm like well i don't really want to order food and it's like and i was just fighting and battling myself and there's kind of a you know there's kind of a i think a a problem with forcing yourself to do something because you think you should, or you think you have to, or you need to, or you're worried about the consequences. If you don't, there's, you know, as Evan, you kind of pointed this out before our conversation started, it's like, you're trying to use fear to give yourself the, the motivation. But when you use fear, whatever you do kind of comes from a, it's, it doesn't come from a very authentic, genuine place. It's, it's, you know, it's, and also the, the end result of doing it is not as good. And I think we all kind of know this, but it is, you know, everybody uses this tactic to some degree. So maybe the, 
idea here in this conversation is, well, what, what do we do when there's something that we think we want to do, but we're not going to use fear and shoulds and things like that to get ourselves to do it? What are our other options? How are we going to work with that? Um, and is doing nothing an appropriate response and how so, and why might that play in? So anyway, I feel like that kind of sums up a little bit about what this is. And I hopefully, um, you know, we can all walk away a little bit kind of seeing how doing nothing can be such an important step in the process of finding our way to whatever it is that we are ultimately going to do. Yeah. I think great, great, great opening, Brandon, great setting the stage, (laughs) setting the table on this one. Um, yeah, no, I think that this is, um, I'm interested in seeing where this goes. There's some elements of this conversation where I'm not entirely sure, uh, you know, where I'm like, well, you know, there's some things I, I don't fully understand about about what we're getting into, but that can be really fun because we might explore and discover something for ourselves. But um, uh, yeah, no, this this conversation, just to throw my own uh, hat in the ring here for for a second is, um, you know, was was with myself having this recognizing this state of restlessness that, um, that I live in on, on, in a very, you know, on a fairly constant basis to be, to be quite blunt about it, but the state of restlessness where no matter what it is that I'm doing, there's a part of my mind that's saying, you know, that that's, that's going through is like, well, how long are we going to be doing this for? And then what are we going to do after this? And what should we be doing at, you know, and there's just all of this, um, energy that's being put into, into, uh, some sort of future scenario of what I should or should not be doing. What is the right thing to be doing next? Um, that keeps me from actually really just doing the thing that I'm doing. Um, and sometimes that's even just like relaxing, you know, like that's, I think a huge problem that, um, I know that I, I deal with and, and I, a lot of people I talk to deal with it as well, where it's like it, people have a hard time doing nothing. People have a hard time, uh, relaxing because this sort of restlessness is, is going on, you know, like even in relaxing, you know, uh, I, I, I can recognize in myself where it's like, okay, well, what's the right way to relax? You know, (laughs) like, like, yeah, right now you're sitting and having a, having a beer and watching a, watching a movie, but then what are you going to do after that? You know, what's the best way to relax after that? And there's this weird anxiety that comes around all of this, you know, just all of these sort of, um, I don't know, the mind kind of going off in, in, in all of these different directions. And, you know, as, as you're saying, you know, like sometimes uh, fear and, and guilt and whatever that can work on some levels to motivate us. Um, but we should really, I think that what I really want to bring into this conversation is to call into question whether that's a, a way that we want to continue to find motivation. What are the limits of that as, as a motivation? Is there a better way for us to, to be motivated? Um, and a better way to take action and this sort of doing nothing. Um, how does, how does inaction 
how is inaction sometimes the best action to take? Because we we're conditioned, we're brought up in a culture of like, well, you got to be doing something. You know, like, what are you doing? 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 You know, it's no kind of wonder that so many of us find ourselves in this situation of being like, oh, like, like I got to be doing something. Because if I'm not doing something, then that means, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not good enough. I am not enough. You know, all of this, there's a whole spiral of things that, that can, that usually go along with that. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to hand this over to you, Brandon, in a second, but I, I want to also just sort of re, uh, to sort of frame the, the, the Christopher Walken thing, um, yes. into this conversation. Um, so as Brandon mentioned, there's sort of we're we're using this thing that a story about Christopher Walken that uh has, has sort of fueled this conversation or we're centering this around and I don't remember uh who it was but it was a young actor uh, I saw doing an interview at some point in time and and also to be honest this is not necessarily something exclusive to Christopher Walken I, this is sort of a, a piece of wisdom from the acting world that has been around for a long time but in this one situation, um, this young actor's on set with uh, with Christopher Walken, and Christopher Walken says to him at one point in time, you know, like, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. And it was sort of this great piece of advice that this this actor had taken. I'm going to hand it over to you, Brandon, to kind of un unpack, you know, what we believe that he means by that by that little nugget mm. yeah I, I think one of the important elements to take away from that is that this this need to do more this need to be more or that something needs to be happening for it to be enough for it to be interesting for it to be whatever that's part of the problem. It's like, there's something about doing nothing, which is necessary in the process and in the transition. And I think from an artist's point of view, you know, if I could pair this back to an acting lesson that I wish I learned earlier in my career, um, because I'm, I've, I've, I've definitely been guilty of this and it's, it's, you know, it's taken, performances and it's really robbed them of something, you know, certain things. It's like when you're listening to the other person, the other character, the other actor talk in the scene, sometimes if you, you know, when you're listening to someone, all you're doing is just looking at them. Like from a physical point of view, you're not even moving. You're just looking at them and you're, you're watching them. And it, the listener almost, physically looks like nothing is going on, but behind the eyes in their mind, when they're really listening, there's a whole world of stuff that's going on. They're taking in the context of what they're saying, the actual data, they're taking in how they feel about it. They're taking about what that means, what that means about their relationship, the situation, all of this stuff. And you don't need to do anything other than let that happen, you know, let that come in and enter. And that's not doing nothing, but it's, it's, it's just not doing more than what you're doing, you know? And I think that's kind of what he's pointing out because there's a natural, um, 
progression to action. So an, an analogy that we actually talked about before the call, and I think I'll just bring it up now because I thought it was pretty good. You were talking about, you know, if you're lost in the woods, you don't just start running in a random direction and being like, I got to get somewhere. I got to, I got to get, you know, if you don't know where you are, the worst thing you can do is start moving in a direction that gets you further away from where you might be, you know? So the best thing to do is to stop, to look around and assess your surroundings, try and get some type of bearing as to where you are, you know, and that might mean, you know, that might look like nothing, but there's a lot going on there. And, and to take that analogy a little bit further, you're there, you're standing there looking around and you realize, Hey, my view is obstructed. I can't see the stars or the moon. And maybe that would be helpful. So, you know, you move over between another area so you can get a gap in the trees and then you can kind of see, okay, well, what, this is what's happening in the sky. Or maybe you're just next to some type of obstacle, like some type of cliff or some type of thing. And it's hard to get around. And you decide to move to navigate around that, that action is motivated and driven and clear. You have purpose behind it. So the doing nothing leads you to a very purposeful, poignant, um, important action. But if you just act for the sake of taking action, you rob yourself of the natural progression from one to the next. And not only is it not true and inauthentic, it actually like robs the next moment of being true and authentic because you got to the next moment, which might have been fine to get there, but you got there by means that are not good. And I think this is kind of the thing is when we force ourselves to do stuff or we do it through fear, we're getting ourselves to somewhere by an inauthentic means or by inauthentic means, which make that next moment inauthentic in essence. So we're trying to extract that part of this and allow for that nothingness to exist. So the organic process can occur. Right. And this is not just yeah. in obviously acting, this is in life. This could be being lost in a forest or this could be building your business. Who knows? Yeah. Making, making, you know, at some sort of crossroads in your life where you have to make, you know, where there's maybe some decision or some, um, yeah, some sort of endeavor, like, you know, we're way of the artist. So it's like, you know, some new thing that you're creating, um, whether it's an artist as an artist or in your life, you know, in, in whatever respect. And, you know, a word that I also want to bring into this is, um, is confusion because you mentioned like, you know, talk like acting from fear, you know, when we're, when we're taking action from fear, well, for me, f confusion and fear are kind of like, they're one in the same thing. Like fear is in itself a confusion of sorts. Um, and so when we're acting out of fear, we're acting out of confusion. And when we're acting out of confusion, you're pretty much always just going to create more confusion. And to kind of bring this back around into like sort of the, you know, Christopher Walken and the acting analogy and, and even something that, you know, because it's such a wonderful piece of wisdom. Like as an actor, I understand the, the profundity of, of what he is saying because I've experienced it for myself, which is that, you know, when you don't know what you're doing as an actor, you're up there on, on stage, like there is, there's, there's an impulse to force something to happen. It's like, oh, I've got to, and you, you can see this happen with bad actors all the time, you know, or just maybe not bad actors, but you know, <laughs> untrained <laughs> act or not even necessarily because even trained actors do this 
do this shit, right? Because it's it's this weird tempting thing where it's like, oh, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. I have to do something. And you'll see an actor just kind of, you know, do something like get angry for no fucking reason whatsoever, <laughs> you know? Like, you're like, I got to make something happen. I got to be interesting. I've got to be, a, give a brilliant performance. And so I've, I've got to, and it almost always, whatever you do out of that space as an actor, always, always comes out as shit. Like, it's just, it's just garbage. It's like, what, like as an audience member, you're watching, it's like, wait, why, why did he just start yelling right now? Like, I don't like nothing, nothing facilitated that, that response in this moment. Like there's, there's this something that rings untrue, that's disingenuine and, and it reads and you feel it when, when you do it as an actor as well. You're just like, oh no, that was bullshit. Why did I just do that? So it's like, this whole thing of like, do nothing. It's just like, oh shit, I'm not doing anything. Instead of, of just forcing some sort of action that isn't there, that isn't coming from, from anywhere, any place of, of clarity, you do nothing. Hmm. And in that doing nothing, something arises. You know, it's kind of like there's this, there's this like a uh, Zen principle of like the void you know, like the void is sort of like where all things come into being that that holds all things. And it's somewhat like a practice like that, where it's just like, do nothing, be nothing. And then something can come out of that. And I mean, in the acting world, it's it's really like, well, just listen, like you were mentioning, just like, listen, pay attention to what's going on right now. And then the the remarkable thing that happens is you go, oh, I know what to do now. Right. Because they're talking to me right now. They're saying these things to me and they're they're treating me in this in this way right now. And so now I know how to respond. It, it reminds me of um, there's this terrific uh, you can you can find it. Uh, I, I encourage if you're a, a young actor or you, you can be whoever you want if you're interested in looking at this. But <laughs> you can be anybody. You can be anybody if you're interested. <laughs> but um, the uh, the the late great Alan Rickman. uh he did this interview um, where he's talking about acting and he said, like, really, the, he's like, the only thing I'm looking for in an actor is the quality of their listening. Like for him, that is that is the whole thing. He's like, because what I say, how I say it and what I do is completely incidental to what you're doing, to what the other person is doing. And he it went even further with that in saying that he's like, you know, the whole idea of an actor in their bedroom planning out how this whole scene is going to go. He says, this is a complete farce to me. Like it's, it's, it's the, it's the most ridiculous thing in his, in his mind as an actor was like that you would do that because like, how can you, you can't like it's, it's, and his point is, is right on. I think it has a lot to do with this conversation that we're having now but it's like you've that presence and that attention and sometimes that that space of non-action is the correct action because it it creates the space for you to discover whatever the next action is but it's only through complete inaction that you can actually figure that out mm. there's a lot of really great things that you that you just kind of laid out there and I'm kind of just going to pick one here to kind of work my way into it. So, um, 
you know, you can talk about, I think from the acting point of view is like when you don't know what to do, listen is almost even as good of a, a, an idea, like doing nothing could be considered just listen, you know, and you were talking about this cause you shared a story uh, not yet on the podcast, but you shared with me when I was telling my story and you had a moment where you were on your bed and you were like, I need to do something. And, and um, you decided to stop and listen. And I thought that was such a powerful, that, that was such a powerful thing that really helped me kind of have a shift because it's like, I'm going to stop and listen to myself. I'm going to let this happen here, like laying on my bed. And it's almost meditative. It's almost just being really present and really honest with that moment, which um, helped you to, to, you know, in that particular story, like move on. And I was going, yeah, you know, when I was struggling the other night and I was having trouble kind of making my move to the next task I should do, I wasn't listening. I wasn't just letting that happen because this whole thing that's going on inside of me is like, I don't want to get up. Like, I don't want to do this. That's all a battle. That's a fight. Right. But if I stop trying to do anything and I just like, okay, I'm having a battle, like let's hear it out. Let's play it out. Let's let it happen. That actually helps me find my way to the next move. And it doesn't have to be this like struggle. Now to pair this in to a, something that I think kind of relates is like, so Muhammad Ali, right. Who's a boxer, one of the best boxers in history, if not the best, he was known for having very quick punches, but he was also known for being somebody who could dodge a punch and really be very elusive. Um, in fact, something he did when he was a kid was he used to get his brother to throw rocks at him so he could dodge those rocks. Like, and that's something that he practiced doing. So an interesting thing about boxing and a punch and a reaction, a punch will always be faster, like from a professional to another professional, take two professionals, doesn't matter how good they are, even Muhammad Ali, the reaction time between reacting to a punch and actually throwing a punch, the punch is always faster, substantially. So if you put them next to each other, you should get hit every single time. You should never be able to dodge a punch because nobody can react faster than a punch can be thrown on at least on a, let's just say a professional level. It's just not possible. They've tested this, you know, they've done the science, all of that. So why is a boxer able to dodge a punch? Well, it actually turns out that before you throw a punch, there's a whole series of unconscious things that happen in your body which tell the other person that you're about to throw a punch. So before you even know you're going to throw a punch, really, before you even start acting on taking the punch, the person who is watching that is a, is, has a certain awareness to what is happening before it happens. So I feel like this relates because there is a natural response to something. And if you don't let the natural response, if you're not listening, if you're not paying attention, you're always going to get punched in the face by it. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, by being present, you allow yourself almost the foresight to, to see the thing coming and being able to respond to it. And that's kind of the magical, really magical thing, because when you react out of fear, you're going to get hit in the face by the punch, the metaphorical punch, right? Because 
you're 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 reacting. You're reacting in the moment to uh, to to the stimulus, and it's too late at that point. But if you allow yourself to just listen and be and and observe and be present, you're going to see it coming way before it comes, and you're going to have a very like organic, natural response that almost seems like you're seeing into the future, but really what's happening is you're being extremely present. So I feel like kind of what the tenant of kind of what we're talking about here is we're just talking about another way to help us all be more present, right? Because that's kind of the point, right? Is that when you're shooting yourself, I should do this. And oh, if I don't do this, bad things will happen. That's not being present. Being present is right now I'm telling, like, I'm, I'm having a conversation with myself about fear. I'm, you know, I'm trying to scare myself into this, you know, and you're listening to yourself do this, which is allowing you to see the punch of fear come. And so you go, nope, I'm not going to do it. Um, I'm going to share another story a little bit later, actually, I think, which will kind of tie that in nicely. But um, would you like, you know, um, do you think you could share like a story like with, with, with acting, like how, how you kind of see this play out? Like, um, you know, I know you work with a lot of people. I know you've put a lot of time into this. Is it something that like, I don't know, like where you can see and maybe, uh, I don't know, like, like, how do you, like, you know, like, you know, when you're watching an actor who's not being present, they're not listening. They're trying to be busy, right? For the sake of being busy or they're trying to be interesting. Like, what's your advice to that? Oh, I mean, like, because again, it's like you're you're coming up against um, a tremendous amount of uh, conditioning that that you know most of us have been ingrained to, and and a huge, I honestly like at at the core of it is, um, it, it comes down to really trusting yourself and trusting your ability to to respond and that you're enough and that you're interesting enough. Um, you know, there's some, there's like a quote from, you know, the, the godfather of modern acting, you know, Stanislavski, which was that, um, he's, he said something like you are, uh, you, who you are is more interesting than the greatest actor who ever lived. And, uh, and I think it comes down a lot to that, which is, uh, you know, this is kind of shades of a conversation we had a while back, you know, like of like who you are is, is, um, is enough. Um, but I think in this conversation here, here's the story I'm going to share. Cause you, you touched a little bit on this, um, you know, just a few moments ago, but, um, yeah, like I was just like, uh, like a few weeks back, I was just sort of like lying on my bed, just sort of, meditating and and just just kind of chill and 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 relaxing and and I caught my mind doing that restless thing of like well like what are you going to do after this like what like what like how long how long are you going to lie here Evan like how long are we going to lie here for you know like you could you know and it was it was a weekend so it was you know it was like there was nothing that I had to do it was just sort of but it was like, well, you know, you could watch a movie that you you've been meaning to watch. You can, you know, go at like all of these things. And, and there was this, uh, 
there was a sort of anxiety that was coming up with that. And, and a lot of the time, most of the time I take the bait, you know, like the ego kind of gives us this bait, you know, which is like, it's, it's pretty much always like a lose, lose scenario where it's like, you know, uh, you either do this or you do this. And no matter what you pick one and you feel like shit because you, you didn't do the other one or, or <laughs> something, right? Like, it's like, you know, you choose to do the responsible thing and do the work. And then you're like, yeah, but I'm missing out on, you know, doing this thing. And it's like, okay, well, if, if you decided to do the other thing, then you go, it's like, yeah, but you're, you're skipping out on your work now. Right. And it's like, you, you're screwed no matter what. Um, and this is, this is a, a trick that our minds play on us. That is, I think is very important you know, not only for myself, but for a lot of us to become, uh, aware of anyhow, it was showing its face to me in this moment of just relaxing. Uh, and, and I took a moment to just sort of recognize that like, well, what's, what's wrong with where I'm at right now? Like, I'm actually like, I'm really actually quite calm. I'm really actually quite just like, you know, feeling very peaceful and relaxed. And I actually don't need to do anything right now. Like what's wrong with what I'm doing and where I'm at right now. Even if it is just me, I'm just lying here. What's wrong with that? And sort of realizing this, this judgment that, that takes place in this sort of doing nothing. But if my state of, of being, you know, if my state of well-being is actually quite high, and in fact, the only thing that was disrupting my state of well-being in this moment was my thought that I could be doing something else or that maybe I should be doing something else. That was actually the only thing that was disrupting my, my peace of mind in that moment. And once I recognized that, I would you know, was able to just sort of let that go and just be like, no, I'm actually totally good just to lie here for however long I lie here for. Right. And then eventually it was like it, it, in that space of just being kind of calm, um, the right action kind of after that followed, it just sort of naturally, it just sort of naturally came. And, and to me, it's very much still part of that sort of acting lesson of, of listening, right? Like it's, it's, and I love that you had brought that up earlier in the conversation because it is, it's, it's so much to do with, with listening. I, I would argue that nothing and listening are also synonymous with each other and not just like, again, listening, um, uh, as just like our sense of listening, like our singles, like I, I have, um, like in my acting classes, I use the the term listening with um with in a very broad kind of way. Like listening is also looking, it's attention, it's it's curiosity, it's seeking understanding, it's um it's openness, you know, it's complete openness and it's awareness. It's um listening is all of these things, even in that metaphor of you're kind of lost in the woods and you stop to get your bearings. Well, it's like you're listening mm. in that moment. You're, you're listening to, to your whole environment. You're listening to your whole instincts of your body, your whole intuition, your whole 
um, you know, whatever knowledge that, that, that you might need in that moment that could, that could pull you out of that situation. It suddenly you, you create the space for what is actually useful and helpful to actually rise to the surface as opposed to just like having, you know, a bag full of cats, you know, <laughs> you know, rattling around up in your cage. You know what I mean? I do. I mean, I think that it's, it's really easy to get caught up in the bait, you know, as you put it, it's really easy to get caught into that. And then that, that that's kind of the problem It's like, once you're going to get into it, you're kind of, you keep taking the bait and you, and then all of a sudden you've like done your day and your day wasn't done with like joy and connection and clarity and presence. It was kind of done out of this obligation and fear. And I think everybody's experienced that to some degree. Um, you know, I'll share, I'll share a story because I think that this is an interesting thing that happened to me this weekend. Um, so I wake up, this is like a, just a couple of nights ago, two, three nights ago, I wake up in the dead of night, like 4 a.m. And the fire alarm is going off just, uh, uh, uh. I'm like, holy shit, right? So you wake out of dead sleep. The first thing that happened was I'm, I was like definitely in the middle of REM, like dream sleep. And I wake up and I'm kind of like looking around going, okay, what's going on? Okay, fire alarm's going off. Okay, I'd never heard the fire alarm in this building before. And that's the fire alarm. Okay, fire. All right, well, you know, first thought in my head is like, yeah, I mean, someone probably accidentally set the fire alarm off. Probably not a big deal. You know, my first response is probably not an emergency, but let's just kind of figure out what's going on. So I get up and I'm on like the 18th floor, like top of my building pretty much. And I walk out to the deck, I open the door. And the moment I open the door, just like smoke, like heavy, heavy smoke. And I look out on my deck and I can't see anything. It's just smoke all around me. And at this point, I'm like, holy shit, the building's on fire. Like, I'm in the middle of a fucking fire. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, okay, this has got to be like a unit under me because the smoke is so thick and so strong. So I come back in and I'm like, okay, definitely got to get out of here. And I have a little cat and, you know, he's hearing the alarm. So he's hiding. And I'm like, hey, uh, also like, we're going to be going outside. And like, this is the moment where, you know, panic could almost settle in, but I'm still like, okay, uh, I'm still calm. My whole thing, and this is a tenant for me, this is just something that I believe in personally. And I think that it's really important to not, like in a state of emergency, do not panic and do not get scared. Like just be very, very present to the moment. And at that moment, I was like, other than smoke, I'm not in danger. Everything's okay, at least for the moment. So I go to kind of get my cat and, um, First of all, he's kind of like scared. So it's harder to get him. I'd like crawl under the bed and all that. I get him and I, I'm like, Hey, well, he's, I'm not just going to carry him. He needs like to be in a carrier or something. So I grab a sports bag I have and I go to put him in the bag and he's like, I'm not going in a fucking bag. So he jumps out and he runs and hides in an even more difficult place. And now I'm thinking, Oh my God, like now he's hiding and, and like the, place is burning down and I got to get him quick because like every moment that's waiting is like another moment we're more in danger. So this is when panic starts to come in. And for about a few seconds, I really started to panic because I'm like, Oh my God, like I got to get him. I got to get him in the bag. I got to get out of here. And then I was like, wait, hold on, just calm down. 
you'll get them, get them in the bag, do it a little slower. It'll be fine. So I get them, I put them in the bag, I grab a coat, throw on some pants. And while this is all happening, I have to mention, I can hear people yelling and screaming in my hallway. Like they're literally, like they're panicking, right? And you got to remember, I'm like calmly trying to get my shit together in my own apartment. Somebody knocks on my door, like, bam, 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 bam. Wake the fuck up. There's a fire. And he's yelling this and then runs off to another door. Bam, 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 bam. I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is real. We're in the real deal here. So I get my little Charlie cat. I get him in the bag. I got my stuff. I walk out the door and kind of like an idiot. I go over to the elevator. (laughs) I'm like, of course. We're in a fire. I can't use the elevator. So I go to the emergency stairs. I go to the emergency stairs. I'm starting to walk down and there's other people walking down, right? Like there's people in the building and everybody's, and people are screaming and yelling. It's really weird. Like I've never been in a situation quite like this. And I'm just kind of calmly walking down. I got the bag and all this. And there's a woman who's ahead of us. And she's like, I have cancer. And she's like really slow and she's holding everyone up. And you got to remember, like everybody's kind of panicking. Right. And it's this weird moment where people are like, do like, they want to push past her and like get down there. So they're safe, but at the same time, they don't want to like, you know, she's struggling. Right. So um, myself and another guy, we're just like calmly, like helping her get down the stairs. We get down all the way down to the bottom, 18 flights of stairs, right. We get down to the bottom. We walk out the front door. I look up at the building and like, I'm trying to see like, okay, well, what, what, what unit is on fire? Like what's going on? And somebody comes up to me this man comes up to me and he says, it's not our building. He's like, I'm on the other side and it's actually, a, it's, it's actually another building behind us. And it's like, okay, we're, we weren't on fire. Like the, the smoke <laughs> from the other place was coming and it was hitting us. Right. So um, the smoke is still pouring into that area. Right. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to wait up here up upstream for the smoke. Um, I'm going to walk down and see this fire, like see what's going on. So I walk down the street and for the next like three hours, I just watched the firefighters like put out this raging fire and um, finally got to come back into the building and whatever. But here's the point of the story. Every moment that I was going through that was very intense. But what I kept reminding myself in every moment was I'm not in danger right now. Right now, as far as I can tell, we're still okay. Everything is still okay. Even the woman and everyone screaming, we're still okay. Everything's fine. And I think that that's kind of a good approach to go through life is in the moment. Are you actually in danger? Is it, are, are things worth panicking about? Like, yes, the, it very well could have been on fire, but freaking out, isn't going to help the situation. It's not going to help for me. It's not going to help for everyone else. And I think that, you know, a lot of the stuff that you and I talk about, Evan, is kind of like as you go down your path in life, you know, this journey of arts, it's going to have these moments of like fear and anxiety and doubt. And you really need to just sometimes stop, not literally stop. I was still walking down the stairs, but just be in that moment and be like, is everything okay right now? And often it is. Almost always it is. And if you can kind of get centered back to that spot, you can start to make really wise, intelligent decisions that people can respect. And, you know, like, obviously this building went through a fire and I've run into a couple of people since. And the people who saw me 
being calm and cool. Like there's a certain kind of respect that comes, you know, now later in this relationship with people I don't really know. But if I was freaking out and trying to push a lady with cancer, out of the way, I mean, mm-hmm. like what kind of guy am I? You know what, what kind of person does that? You know what I mean? Someone who's scared and freaking out and panicking. Right. But also the, the hurt, the herd of people, if you want to call it that, right. Like not the best word, but like the group of people that were behind me by my calmness in some ways, I think helped calm them down. At least I think so. Because when they see everyone else being scared and then they see someone who's not, I think it counterbalances the argument of we need to be freaking out right now. And at the end of the day, we weren't even in danger. Like we weren't really in danger, but you know, this is kind of um, something that like, I don't know, like this talk is helping me see like, you know, you can just be in the moment and not flip out, you know, and let that move you to your next moment. Let uh, let cool heads prevail. Yeah, so to speak. And and yeah, and also your your story reminds me of um, you know, there, one of the, sort of a very famous um, uh, you know, spiritual work is um, uh, autobiography of a yogi. It's like it's a it's sort of a classic um by uh by uh, Paramahansa Yogananda. <laughs> nice. One of my favorite names to say and. Uh, you know, he he was a uh, he was sort of one of the big, big sort of figures who brought um, you know uh, wisdom and and the traditions of Hinduism to the West. Um, he had just sort of that that capacity. And I remember in 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 one of his chapters, he talks about you know like you know sort of the goal of one of the goals of sort of the practice is is to become a peaceful person. But he made some sort of a uh, a comment. He's like, however, in the world, in many ways, being able to be calm is more valuable. <laughs> you know, like this difference between peace and being calm, you know, and being able to be calm um, in the middle of, you know, a lot of shit happening, you know, it's and and and. It's funny because we have this sort of wisdom around us everywhere. You know, there was the the old thing in the Second World War. I don't know if it was older than that, but you know, like the the British Army. You know, keep keep calm and carry on, right? Like, stay calm because when you start to to panic, when you start to act out of out of fear, and you know, even in the midst of of being in a war zone, there's this element of like you need to be still. You need to be, you need to be calm. Like, yes, you're, but one of the interesting things is that, um, is that when it comes to, to, um, to fear, and this is something that a lot of people have, have commented on. I think Aristotle at one point said like, um, fear is the anticipation of evil. Uh, and, um, who else am I thinking of? Um, Oh yeah, and Krishnamurti talks about, you know, how as human beings we are actually rarely ever in contact with fear itself. We are usually in contact with with the idea of fear, because the truth is is that when we are actually in a life threatening situation, actually, when we're actually presented with something, we react. We don't we don't think about it. We 
you know, where we, we sort of wire ourselves just like, okay, it's fight or flight. You're either like, you're, you, you don't have time to think about how scary this situation is. You are now in a moment where you are simply acting and you are either, you know, defending yourself or whatever from what it is, or your, your body's coursed adrenaline into you so that you can, you can run, <laughs> run like crazy or whatever the situation is. So, you know, there's something about that that's very interesting as well, where it's like in an actual scenario, the kinds of scenarios that we are afraid of and that we have fearful fantasies about in our day-to-day -day life, when we are actually confronted with such scenarios, we very often, we're not confused. There's, there's very little confusion that's actually going on. We, we, we act immediately. And I mean, I don't necessarily know how that pertains to this conversation, but I, I find that to be kind of a fascinating thing. I, you know, I, I think that there's, there's something about motivated action, which is kind of what this is kind of coming around to, you know, and you could, you could argue that every action is motivated, but mm -hmm. Yeah, so, but what is it being motivated by? Yeah, what's mo what is motivating and why is it being motivated? And I think that it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I don't think we want to go through our lives motivated by fear and anxiety and dread and all of these things. I, I don't think that is the kind of life that we really dream of living. And at the end of the day, it's like, look, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to get you out of bed in the morning, you know? A lot of different things could do it, but what do you want to get you out of bed in the morning? You know, and, and there's a lot of reasons why you should pursue or could pursue or might pursue your dream, but why, why do it? Like, and, and these are important questions to ask. And that's why you got to listen, because if you're doing it to like prove something to somebody, well, that might be very motivational and that might drive you a long way. But do you want to spend the rest of your life doing something to prove something? Or do you want to do it because you really enjoy it and you love it and it's fun and it fulfills you? And I mean, the answer is obvious when you stop and think about it. So I think like a lot of this conversation is about giving yourself a breath to be like, okay, what am I going to do? And if it's, you know, and giving yourself room to be motivated by something other than those base things like fear and anxiety and stuff. So yeah. it's, it's, it's like a higher level of motivation and, you know, I, something we've talked about a lot and I, I just want to throw out there is like, maybe you just let curiosity be the thing that drives you, you know, as opposed to like, it's so much better. It's just such a better option than fear where it's like, for me, I think about when I got out of my bed and I'm like, okay, shit, fire alarm. Okay. Fire. Like, that sounds so silly, right? Because it's like, obviously, fire alarm, fire branded. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> well, no, like I woke up dead out of sleep. I was probably in the middle of a dream. But I remember waking up and being like, okay, that's, yeah, that's the fire alarm. That's my fire alarm. Okay, great. Like, there was this moment of like, let's see what's actually happening. And then I walked out to my deck and opened my door and I looked out the deck because the next curiosity was, well, let's get a visual of what's actually happening here. You know, if you were trying to say, write this scene as a writer or you're getting about about to act it you might think well the first thing i would do is run out the door and it's like no if you're really being present that might not be the first thing you would do 
the first thing I thought was, this is probably a false alarm because most fire alarms I've experienced were not real. So my first thought was, this is probably a false alarm. And then when I walked out on the deck, I realized, nope, this is not a false alarm. This is a real, this is set off by real smoke, heavy smoke. So there's information you gather as you move along. And if you listen back to my story, it was all perfectly motivated. But it was motivated for the most part by curiosity of like, at least in the beginning of like, let's figure out what's actually happening before we make any decisions. And I think like with an acting scene or writing a scene, it's very much like that too. It's like the characters need to catch up all the time, you know? And when writers try to skip that step, they try to like force them into action and like, this will be interesting and exciting. It's like, yeah, but that's not actually how it would probably happen. One more thing, Evan, Mm -hmm. we had Ted Whittle on and Ted Whittle was one of the best acting teachers I ever worked with. And he used to do this exercise where he would get you to play out a scenario and he'd be like, okay, you forgot your keys or you don't know where your keys are and you got to go to work. And you would act out that scene. Was it written or scripted or anything? And you had to kind of, in your mind, trick yourself into forgetting where you hid your keys. But the way you thought you would do it, and then the way you actually end up doing it when you're looking for your keys is very, very interesting. But it's just looking for your keys. But you kind of like check a drawer, you like look through it, okay, they're not there. But then you like go back to that same drawer and you check it again. Cause you're like, maybe I didn't see it. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. this process of motivation. That's very like, I didn't dig deep enough. I need to dig deeper. You know, we, we do these things and they're driven from a place of uh, assessment and, and curiosity and wonder. And those things bring life into us and they bring life into an acting performance. But I, I, I want to say that they bring life into our life. Hmm. There was a lot of things that, um, yeah, that you said that I really, that I really, I really was in, I was, I was digging it. I was digging it, Brandon. Cool. I um, thought you were just going to say, I, I said a lot cause I did, but yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> um, you know, because I, I do want to point out that it's like, you know, in, in this th- incident that happened with, you know, this fire that was going on, you know, there was you know, you called it curiosity. And again, it's like, it's listening, you know, it's, there's, it was listening to, to what's going on. It's like, okay, there's smoke. Okay. What, where's that coming from? Okay. Like there's this sort of assessing what's going on, this listening for, you know, that, that allows us to, to guide our action. And something else that you said as well, which was, um, you know, giving giving yourself that that space of of being able to do nothing, and and to just listen, and I, I I think that for myself, I'm realizing that it's not just giving yourself that. Like, yes, absolutely, but for me, it's 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 the necessity of it. You know, there's a necessity of of doing nothing, you know, because like if we think of this whole thing of like, you know, nothing and something, no matter which one that you you say, one implies the other. You know, it's one of those situations of of 
um, you know, they're 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 sides to the same sides to the same coin, right? Well, you know, in the sort of the coin analogy, each one is fifty percent. You know, like one like one one gets gets the same half <laughs> amount of space as the other half does. You know what I mean? But how how much I don't believe that that we operate that way. We, I think, operate on such a level of like doing something, doing something, doing something, doing something. Or at the very least, even when we're doing nothing, our minds are constantly doing something that don't allow that sort of nothing to to actually to actually occur. So I mean, that's something that's really dawning on me with this is is just the necessity the necessity of of being able to do nothing i mean really like i think that's that's one of the things that's we're recognizing in our world like when you look at something like you know how how much meditation you know something like meditation is becoming you know considered more and more an important part of um you know our health as human beings like uh for for having that sense of well-being like one of my old teachers used to say um uh used to say i call meditation taking a break from your shit uh (laughs) (laughs) you know and on every level not just like a break from the 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 shit that you're doing in the world but like a shit like the shit of yourself you know the shit of of your of you going off and and just saying like i'm just gonna take five minutes 10 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, however long, you know, a practice, it, you know, develops for you, but to sit and do nothing, to sit and just do nothing, just to sit and breathe. I mean, there's lots of different forms of meditation, but essentially, you know, it's like, you're just going to sit and do nothing. You're not going to, with no distractions, you know, your mind will be doing its thing, but you're just going to do nothing, you know, and it's, it's quite extraordinary how how challenging that that is to do. You know, like as someone who's had a meditation practice for a long time, it's just like there's hell just this morning. This morning I was sitting in my meditation. I was like, wow, my mind is just going off. Like I'm just like it's just like it's noisy today. Like it's it's wanting to grab onto this thing and that thing and be worried about this thing and be worried about that thing and be, you know, like all of this, all of this stuff. But, you know, in that sort of, um, in that practice or at least that, that effort of showing up to say, it's like, well, I'm going to do nothing. You know, there's that noise of the mind has a bit of a different quality to it. You know, it's like I'm not so lost in it because it's not driving my actions. You know, it's not driving me to do anything in this moment. Because I'm just, in this moment, I'm just sitting here. And it might be telling me all kinds of things to, to do, even things that, yeah, I will do later on in the day, but not right now. <laughs> you know, not not in this moment. In this moment, I'm just sitting. And that's enough. And... I guess that's another interesting side of this too. Like it's it's actually a side to 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 meditation that I hadn't even considered as well, which is just like sitting is enough. Just sitting and breathing is enough. 
And in many ways, there's, I think that there's probably, that's probably one of the ways that it benefits, you know, us as, as, as people where it's just like, yeah, no, just, just sitting and breathing and, and being is, is enough. You know, you don't have to do anything more than this. And not only is it enough, but it's tremendously beneficial to you. You know, and like all the studies, like the more studies that come out on meditation, the more that's proven to be true. Uh, you know, it how much it helps with stress, how much it helps with stuff like heart disease, and and like I don't even know know all of the the sort of that that data on it, but like it's it's incredible when you look at like what they've discovered meditation actually does for your health. There's and it's some, nothing, right? Yeah. It's, it's it commitment is. to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think also creativity is found within nothing. You know, it's it's that's where it's that's where it's kind of born. That's where it that's where it it lives. And you're only going to be able to find it like by not being busy. And I think that our culture, particularly Western culture, we have these weird obligations. I don't even want to call them values because I don't even think they are for most people. But we have these obligations to be busy all the time, to always be up doing something, you know, to, you know, what are you doing? What, what are you up to? What's going on? You know, it's always something, something, right? And it's like, no wonder you don't think you're creative. No wonder you don't think that you have something inside of you to offer because you're so distracted all the time, being busy all the time, you know, like, um, and, and, and this, like, avoidance of being with yourself, you know, which is so integral to creativity. And also like, you know, another thing is hearing your own voice is such an mm. important part of the artist's journey. And you got to be quiet to hear that. And, I, you know, a lot of my life, well, at least for a good portion of it, you know, I really was like into the personal development, you know, kind of road. And I really was like, gung-ho about it. I'm like, yeah, if I just keep reading these books and learning these things, I'm going to be self-improvement. I'm going to be the best guy I could ever be. And what I found was that, yeah, those things helped in certain ways, but I look at some of my old writing and I'm like, these are just copies of what other people said. This is not my voice. This is just shit I read out of books and I've kind of compiled it in my own way. And I'm just spitting out the same fucking shit that everyone else says. And there's nothing unique about it. And there's nothing special about it. And people would kind of like it and give me a pat on the back. But like, at the end of the day, I look at that and I'm like, that's not really my voice. That's not really me. I'm just mm -hmm. the guy that gathered a bunch of information and now I'm sharing it in a way. And like, maybe there's a service in that and maybe that's kind of nice, but there was a certain point where all of that self-help shit just didn't make sense to me anymore. And it all kind of led me down a road where I was like, but I did all the self-help and this is where I ended up. Like, what the fuck? Um, you know, and things that are unexpected, like, yeah, I succeeded and I made lots of money, but also like I lost friendships and, you know, I ended up in a toxic relationship and, you know, uh, I put off things that were really important to me and I didn't value certain friends who were really really, really good friends, the way that I just couldn't see it because I was so worried about being better and being good enough. And so it put all that stuff in a question. And I remember I was sharing with you the story. I remember it so vividly because more what you said, 
but I was sitting on your couch talking to you and I was like, yeah, and I went through all this shit, but you know, for the first time I could hear my own voice. And then you were like, so then it's all worth it. And I was like, oh, it just dawned on me that it was like, wait a minute, by, by not being busy for a moment, by, by letting myself just be and saying kind of what the fuck to everything else. I actually started to find my own voice. And like for the first time, I actually wrote a script that was really truthful to me. Like there was stuff in the other things, but I actually started to speak and communicate and build things that were unique and real and, and my own that weren't just these kind of carbon copies of everything else. And I mean, I'm still nurturing that and building upon it. Right. But it's, it's about not being busy and, and, and not, being like, so like, I need to do these things to get something, to be somewhere, to be somebody, you know, all that shit just becomes a big ego game. And I think meditation's kind of, you know, to bring this back down, like meditation lets you kind of put your ego aside. You, you confront your ego because you hear your ego go like, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. And you kind of go, okay, I hear you. I hear you. And, and the ego does, doesn't have any power all of a sudden for the first time. And it's like, wait a minute, I can't get him to just do what I want. And it's like, Oh shit. And then all of a sudden, you know, I find these moments where it just kind of goes away and then I'm just there with me and I'm like, shit, I'm not my ego. And that is kind of the listening. That's kind of the special, that's kind of the special sauce, right? It's like, shit, I'm not my ego. But up until that point, I thought I was. Mm. That's a big one, Brandon. That's a big yeah. one kind of a discovery actually, as I was yeah. saying it, but yeah, like that's kind of, I, I think I vocalized it now and that vocalization of it was a discovery, but the discovery happened earlier, but now I'm actually starting to understand it more as we're mm -hmm. talking about it because yeah, it's like when shit hit the fan and my life kind of spiraled, I actually took a moment to be with me, whatever you want to call that, whatever that is, spirit, self, you know, soul, well, I don't know. And I think that that's actually... It's fascinating how, you know, every, I'm sure every human being that you ask um, has faced at least a moment, if not many, where we're just sort of given circumstances where we're forced to stop, where we're, we're actually just forced to stop, you know, our, our circumstances, our health, something just gives out where it's just and it forces us into that place of like stop do nothing do nothing you know i think that um i think that many of our um yeah many of our illnesses are are kind of a result of it you know like uh uh was it jim carrey or something i think jim carrey in 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 like a video that he did he was talking about um depression and that depression is deep rest deep rest and it's deep and and sort of alluded to like deep rest from yourself from the self that you've been this image that you've been you've been maintaining this person that you think that you are that you've been trying to hold up to the world and now it's failing you know, for some reason, the whole thing is 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 crumbling down, and you know, maybe uh, 
you know, which is why I think, you know, we, we get so clinical the way that we talk about a lot of things, you know, in, in our world today. But, you know, sometimes I think it's valuable to bring a little bit of like, you know, poetic, you know, poeticism back into these things, you know, of like being blue, you know, or like, you know, maybe you're the, the depression that you're feeling is, is actually that moment where you're lost in the woods and you've realized that you're lost in the woods and now you're just stopping. You're stopping to just take a look around you. Where are you? You know, and in our lives, I think it's just like, you know, what that, that, that doing nothing is sort of creates that, that space for us to say, well, what, what is this actually about? And to truly ask that question, you know, what is this? What is this? And asking it seriously, like with, with absolute, like with the, the, the sincerity of that question in every inch of our bones, you know, in our marrow, we ask the question, it's like, what is this? You know, what is this situation? What is this life that I'm, I'm living? What is this thing that I'm doing? What is this thing that I'm pursuing? And you had touched on this a little while back, Brandon, and it really landed with me. And I want to kind of bring it back around because, um, because I think it's really important, which is, you know, that, that spot of, you know, it's like, well, what, what, what is the reason I'm going in this direction? What is that thing? It's like, oh, you know, that motivation. It's like, oh, actually that motivation is not from me. You know, that's a, that's the, the, this thing that's driving me is that's someone else. That was my, you know, that was my family. That was my, um, you know, my social group. That was my, you know, you know, my, my friend group. That was the, you know, um, so many different things that where we, we realized that the, whatever it was or is that we are in pursuit of, uh, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with us, you know, and, and we have to get still to, to, and listen to realize that. And I think that that's such an important thing to see. It's like, oh, to, to be able to recognize that that's actually what it is. You know, that's actually the thing that we're, that we're working from. And I think that it's, it's, it's vital for us to stop and take those, those moments to actually stop, I guess, you know, it's like, it's like, stop to take a moment to stop, you know, like, and just, and just get the sort of, again, that lay of the land of your life, what you're doing, what are the Hmm. things that are, are, are driving that, you know, especially when we've, we've, we discover that we're in a situation that is making us deeply, um, you know, deeply unhappy, something that's making us, you know, um, that's causing, you know, suffering in our lives. And it's just like, well, what is this thing that you're pursuing? What is that, what is that suffering, you know, that, that you're going through? And you might discover that the reason why you're doing something isn't a good reason anymore. You know, and yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's the, the, the gift that, that, that doing nothing can give you. 
Totally. And you might still do the thing, but now you do it for a new reason. And that reason gives you, you know, gives you peace and harmony and a sense of depth and connection, you know, and you just go back to the title of this one, you know, it's like when doing nothing is, is the best move when doing nothing is the best move. And, and I, I think about kind of the way that kind of worked out. It's like, yeah, like sometimes we're so busy trying to move around and trying to get somewhere, you know, that that's precisely why we need to not move. The move is to not move. You know, the move is to, is to stay, is to stand, is to be still. And mm-hmm. through that stillness, the next move reveals itself. And that stillness can feel like an infinity, but like that stillness even though it might seem like it's happening for a really long time, it's really not, you know, and, and the, it could be the difference between I should do this. I really need to do this. If I don't do this, Oh my God, this is going to happen. Which is like very reactive and like, okay. But that, that not doing anything might get you to stop and go like, what, what's going on for me? And and you let that inform the situation. And then all of a sudden it's more like, you know, and the other thing too, is I think that we need to be open to another thing. I think is really important. We need to be open to an indirect move to a move. That's not directly to where we think we should go. Like sometimes, you know, like I know for myself, it's like, oh, I need to write. I got to get my writing done. And it's like, but if I stop and I let myself be, it's like, we'll go for a walk. And then you go for a walk and then you think, and then you think on the walk and then you start working out what you'd write about. And then through that walk, you know, you come back to the writing and the writing's so much richer because of the walk. But if you just, if I just forced myself to sit there and write at that moment, it was exactly the wrong thing to do. And yes, the writing would get done, but the writing would be forced. And, you know, we all know as creatives that taking that moment to, to not, to not make a move, to not get the thing done. Because I think that we all feel this pressure. It's like, we know what we want to do. And, and we think that the best thing to do is to just do it. Just go directly towards the thing you want. But that's not the best move all the time. Sometimes the best move is to go indirectly, to go, to dance around it, you know, as opposed to like, I'm going to go directly towards it, like a bowl. I'm just going to run at it. I'm going to, you know, just get this thing. It's like, you know, when you think about dating, for example, there is an approach. You could go directly to the person and you could just say, Hey, I like you. Let's date, you know, let's <laughs> whatever. Or you could play the game. You could smile. You could, you could wink. You could talk to them. You could dance. You could open up this whole world. And I think that is more artistic. That is more creative. And that's kind of the point is like the best move is not always going directly at it. Sometimes the best move is going like, Hey, like what feels right here? You know? And I know this too, from like business, you know, sometimes it's like, Oh, I should just, you know, I should just close the deal. I should just do the thing. And sometimes that's just not the right move. And you just, you know, you know, in yourself, you're like, no, that's not what's right right now. And sometimes you, you ignore it and it's kind of like taking that 
feeling and just being okay. The feeling is don't do this right now. So you got to listen to that. And, and this is where the honesty comes in because it's like, not because you're scared, not because, you know, but doing it just because it's like this in my sense of self doesn't seem like the right action. And you got to trust that if your sense of self is kind of like that, that guttural heart thing is telling you, this is not what you want to be doing right now. You got to like, listen to that and go, okay, that's not what I want to be doing right now. So what's the compromise? Maybe there's another way and maybe it's indirect and maybe it seems unrelated, but if that's really what makes sense, like let's, let's at least try, you know, mm-hmm. and that at least helps you kind of see things differently and informs the next move. And I think the point is, is that there's a discipline in that there's a discipline in not just going directly for what you want. There's a discipline in going indirectly. There's a discipline in seeing that there's an approach. Yeah. And that it's not just always about crossing the finish line all the time too. You know, I think that's, that's part of it. There's so many aspects to this, this conversation that, you know, I feel like we could go further into, but you know, like we're like, we're, we're, already run into like we'll keep talking for a little bit here but um you know <laughs> oh, like, <will> we? <laughs> you know you, you i'm just giving you, you like you brought up like some stuff around like um you know like really uh you know we talk about like we have the law of the unknown and to me that's like that has so much to do with this thing of like doing nothing you mm. know it's like that's like do nothing and suddenly you're in this unknown space you know, um, you know, where you've kind of, you, you empty your cup, so to speak, you know, you empty the cup so that, that it can be filled with something new, mm-hmm. you know, like, I think that that's, you know, it, because if we don't, you know, it's like, if you, you leave any, any, you know, liquid in a, in a cup for too long, you know, it's just like, it becomes, it becomes stale, you know, and, and, and flat and, and disgusting, you know, and you've got to empty it out. And also if you want to have something new, if you want to, you know, if you want to taste something new, you've got to, you've got to empty the cup, right? Like it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying some different, I like it. trying some different things like up, Brandon, <laughs> but like, I it's, think that's a good one. <laughs> I think it works. You know, I was just trying to see how many ways we could take this thing. I'm sure there's more, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's this nothing and the unknown are, are there's this uh, really lovely relationship that's that's going on there, which is you know it opens you up into that space, and you know as we've talked about with the law of unknown, um, how much it has to do with play and creativity and presence. You know the unknown um, brings all of these things with it because it it demands all of those things to a certain extent, you know, and, um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got nothing else after that, but. (laughs) Well, it's some good stuff. And I, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the other elements of this is that, you know, when, when doing nothing is the right move, it's like, or the best move. You can, you know, you could also rephrase that into when like, creating space is the best move. Like, I think when you have space, like you get a new apartment or you get a new house or you get some new office, you know, the tendency is, okay, well, I want to 
I want to put a desk there. I want to put a, a, a you know, I want to put a, a couch there, a chair there, whatever, right? But if you take a moment and you, you let the place be empty before you fill it up with all the stuff and can get it done, you know, it's, you can, you can, you could, you can create within space, but if you fill the space, there's no room for creation anymore, you know? And I think that's kind of the point, what we're kind of talking about here is like, it's not just about an action. It's, 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 it's about what we do with what's empty and how we make empty wrong, how we make um, space that's open wrong, you know, that it has mm. to be filled and, and that, where we are isn't enough that we have to be somewhere. We have to be somewhere that's other than where we are. You know, it's this constant thing we're doing. And I think like, you know, the point is, is let's have this moment right now. And if we were to honestly have this moment, maybe the next would just be obvious. And I think that's the point. I think, yeah, the next would be obvious. And if you quit fucking <laughs> making this one wrong, I don't mean to swear, but I do. But it's like, stop making this one wrong. If you just let this one have its moment, the next one will be very clear and it'll be very true and honest and you can act on that. But if you keep trying to get away from this one, you don't let it tell you and you're constantly caught behind the eight ball in a sense. You're always inauthentically going down the path of whatever you're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. So... I love that you brought in the like thing of like space, you know, like of, of like you know planning your space because it's mm-hmm. it's good that that's actually an analogy I remember from um, uh, the power of now from Eckhart Tolle. It's it was a really terrific sort of visual where he's saying like space is is again where something is created and and you look at a room, you know, it's like well if, uh, just an empty room is just an empty room, but it's what allows for those spaces to become what they become you know like it's it's you put a few things in there and now it's a living room you it now it's a dining room you know but if you don't have that space like just empty space if those don't exist then then none of those things can happen you know what i mean like the space has to be there in order for things to be created within it right like it's and you know you see that situation with people who are like hoarders and stuff like that you know it's like there's no space like it's like this is we see it and we're just like there's something wrong with this you know like this is like this is not correct like there's there's a part of us that we recognize we recognize that there's an issue we recognize that there needs to be space you know, and and there's a whole art of, you know, we should have an interior designer on here at some point in time. Uh, Definitely. Uh, to talk about something like that. I bet you that would be fascinating. Um, but, you know, like how we artfully use space, you know, how we don't put too many things into it because the space is valuable. And, you know, I think that we can use that, bring a little bit more of that into our lives of being like, yeah, create space, allow space. You need space in your life in order to create. Yeah. Beer? I like it. Beer. beer. Let's talk about the beer and let's wrap this one up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been really good. I feel like this has been a conversation that's probably 
going to spur on some more thought for us down some other avenues, but I feel like we opened a good door and, um, yeah, it's been helpful for me just kind of like taking a moment to like have this conversation and go, yeah, like this is something that I can just use, you know? All right. Beer. Um, I'm having, I don't know how to say this and I'm going to need your help. Maybe you can read this. Jeez. <laughs> I don't know it's if I'm going to be like any help, but okay. Or something. Okay. This is Hoyne, Hoyne Brewing Company and it's a Kolsch. Um, they're from Victoria, Canada. Anyway, it says like, uh, beer carton. Does that sound, does that seem right? Oh, I think that's just, it's gar, garten. Yeah. Beer garten. <laughs> beer garten. It's like a garden. It's just a, like a beer garden. Yeah, beer garden. But it says, but it's in, gar- it's, it's in German. Uh, yeah. Cause it's like a, sense. it's like a German Kolsch. So there you go. All right. Well, well I'm, I'm happy I was I able to actually help with that one. Obviously I don't speak German well. Neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better than me. Um, it's nice and light. It's been an easy, easy beer and uh, perfect for these nice warm days. Nice. Uh, I am drinking uh, a brew from Parkside, Parkside Brewery in Port Moody. Uh, shout out to Port Moody. <laughs> um, and this one's called uh, Saxy Time. Nice. That's fun. Saxy Time um, with the, uh, and it's a hibiscus sour gosa oh wow you went with another sour well i mean this one okay so the last time like last week to anyone who tuned in last week what i drank (laughs) was just that was awful i ended up pouring out the rest of it like i i couldn't and i almost never let beer go to waste even if it's just like even if i'm not crazy about it i'll finish it but it was like no i i couldn't do it uh and uh but this one is really good and I'm always I'm not crazy about sours but a gosa has usually had a really good tra- a really good track record with me um which is basically like it's a sour beer but it's salted they salt it and it uh. cuts it cuts the sourness and it balances it out and it makes it quite pleasant and this one has been a very enjoyable drink for the uh, the podcast today, I was a little nervous, of course, from after last week, but it has uh, it has served me well. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, sours are, sours are probably the hardest one for me. I, I I I there's a lot of them out right now, and I'm always like, okay, anything but a sour. Yeah, <laughs> anything but a sour. But you know what? There's been a few sours I've had that have been absolutely awesome. And, you know, I didn't really love IPAs when we started this, this whole thing and they grew on me. So now I really like them, but you know, maybe, maybe it's just a more kind of a thing that you have to kind of find your palate for. And yeah, it's definitely a different, it's definitely a different, it's almost not even beer to me. Yeah. <laughs> Sours most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're I did have a I, hit or miss. I did have a, I'll say this. I did have a cucumber sour and I don't know who made it. It was a local brewery. Whoever did it, if anyone ever knows, write us and tell us because it was this cucumber sour they did, and it was awesome. Mm. It was the best sour I've ever had, and I think because it was sour, but cucumbers like kind of mellow, and that made it. It was so refreshing, and it was just a delicious beer. 
I find like things that are like raspberry and stuff. It's just like, Oh, too much. Like keep that yeah. away from me. It's just too strong yeah. and too sour. Sour on top of sour. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, let's do it. Well, um, this has been a great conversation. I've, I've, I've been enjoyed this one and, um, I don't necessarily know how I want to cap this one, one off per se, but it's really, you know, this, this conversation has really, uh, it's convinced me further, um, to allow myself. And again, I'll use the word necessity, you know, the necessity of doing nothing, um, especially in moments where, where there's sort of the mind, you know, the, the ego, however you want to want to talk about it or think about it is in that, that space of, of, of just like that panicked, restless, should be doing something, should be doing something, should be doing something, should be doing something like that, that sort of, um, crazy making, uh, and just taking the time to just do nothing in that moment, you know, to just do absolutely nothing to get my bearings while I'm lost in the woods. Because I think that in those moments, I can say that like, yeah, I'm lost right now. I'm lost in the woods. If this is what's going on, I'm, I'm, so I just need to stop. I'm not going to distract myself. I'm not going to force myself to do anything. I'm just going to be still. I'm going to listen. I'm going to wait until it's clear to me what the next action is. And when I actually, when I really think about it, when I've, in the moments that I've, I've had that kind of mindfulness in my life, an interesting thing happens, which is that it doesn't necessarily last all that long. You know, I mean, when I allow myself to actually just be, be that, find that kind of stillness to, to be in a, in that place of like, okay, don't do anything. Just don't do anything. Um, it, it's doesn't last for that long, you know? And, and I think that that's maybe sometimes one of the fears or the, the things that, that, that we put up that resists doing nothing, which is just like, so what, I'm just going to sit on my ass and do nothing all, <laughs> all day. I mean, maybe, I don't know, but, and, and maybe that's, that's absolutely necessary, but very often the case is just like, maybe that stillness wasn't needed for that long. You know, like I actually just needed to do that for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I just needed 10 minutes for, everything to settle down for my mind to calm down to not feel pressured to force to do anything and then it's just like oh okay i actually know what to do now you know the the clarity comes just like you know with christopher walken in the scene and in acting it's just like you don't know what to do don't do anything and you listen and suddenly your partner's just told you what to do you've gotten that feedback you know what direction to to pursue now right this is this is um, I think this is a powerful thing for us to do with, in our lives, and I think it's something that, um, yeah, we need to 
we need to we need to give this to ourselves more i agree i totally agree and uh, you know what as i think about this i realize like it's it's necessary it's like a necessary thing and i think that there's for me at least personally there's a chaos that goes on when i get into this place of like angst or anxiety or whatever it's going on and it's like part of it the problem is the resistance it's like i i, I just am resisting the fact that i feel anxious or the, i'm resisting the fact that you know i like it's like you need to do this i don't want to do it you need to do it i don't want to do it and it's this fight and it's like acknowledging that i'm having that fight within me you know and like okay like watching it observing it you know it's that like if you're not your ego which is something that i definitely have learned in my life i'm not my ego i can step back and watch my ego battling itself and have my ego be like one side of the coin being like you should do this you have to do this you need to do this if you don't do this that's gonna happen and this other side of me but i don't want to do it this fucking sucks i don't feel like it you know blah, blah 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 and that those two are battling it out and i can step back and just watch that for a second and let that happen and not be in it, not be in one of them choosing a side and just being like, okay, have it out, you know? And then that, that's, they're going to, those, that, those sides of my ego, the, whenever I do this, I know they just get tired out. Their the, the arguments get boring and uninteresting and I move on. And then that acceptance allows me to move on. And that, I think that's the key. It's like resistance gets you stuck in something. And then, you, you know, you can't get out of it. So this kind of like not letting either side of your ego win, not letting anything make you take an action that feels forced or even defiant. It's just like, I'm not going to do this because I'm defying. I'm not going to do it because I'm forced. I'm going to, I'm going to do this because I truly value it and want to do it. And it makes sense for me. And I feel a connectionness to it, connectedness to it. So I think for me, I'm going to kind of walk away and I'm going to give myself a couple of things. I'm going to give myself patience, care and kindness as one. And, you know, if I was going to add anything else, it's just the discipline to not take the bait, to just not take that bait, to just, okay, okay, you're baiting me. I see that. That's fine. And I'm going to wait until that gets taken off the table. And then, then I act. Thanks for listening to the show. If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.